1: Hey, this is Chris Ducker, author of Rise of the Youpreneur. And if you want to learn to be the best entrepreneur you can be, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chapel.
0: You have the ambition, the knowledge, and the experience, but still lack those relationships necessary for achieving true success. Welcome to Build Your Network, your guide to growing your inner circle, increasing your influence, and assisting others in reaching their goals. This is networking the way it should be, brought to you by your host, Travis Chapel. What is up and welcome to the one and only show that brings you tips and tricks on networking from the best experts around three days a week. Although they may not all be in the same field, every guest that comes on the show has one very important thing in common. They believe, as I do, that building relationships is crucial to achieving success in life. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first, I'm sure you've heard me and my guests talk a lot about the importance of masterminds. I know I personally would not be anywhere near where I am today without spending tens of thousands of dollars investing into building relationships in a mastermind setting. So on that, I am opening up a second round of my mastermind, Build Your Network Alpha in order to build relationships with some of you guys out there. If this is something that interests you, please head over to buildyournetwork.co alpha to submit an application and hop on the phone with me to chat about it. And now let's go ahead and chat with today's guest, Chris Ducker. Chris is a serial entrepreneur and author of the bestseller, Virtual Freedom, and author of his latest book, Rise of the Upreneur. Originally from the UK, Chris has lived in the Philippines for 17 years, where he has found multiple businesses, which combined house over 450 full-time employees. He's a trusted international business mentor, keynote speaker, podcaster, blogger, as well as the founder of Youpreneur.com. Chris hosts the annual Upreneur. Summit, which is held in London, England each November, and is the self-proclaimed proudest Brit doing business online. Chris, thank you so much for coming to the show today, man. <laughs> Super excited it's, to finally it's... get you on.
1: Man, dude, I'm happy to be here. And that last little bit of the bio always makes me chuckle. But let me tell you something. It's never gonna be removed. It's gonna be in there forever. <laughs> <Out of
0: doubt. laughs> yeah, there you go. That's perfect. That's perfect. It always makes me chuckle every time I read through it before this interview. So I figured I uh, may as well just keep it going on the show. So there uh, you go. Chris, why don't you go ahead and expound a little bit on that intro, if you will. And then more importantly, tell us what you're most excited about right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, like most intros, that makes me sound way more interesting than I probably really am to the common (laughs) man. I Honestly, all I really am, I mean, like how I identify myself with or what I identify myself with is just a sales guy. Like I've been in sales ever since I was 17 years old. I'm still a sales guy Now, and at the very core of every sales guy or girl, right, let's be politically correct here, Mm -hmm. at the very core of it all is just solving people's problems. If you solve people's problems in the right manner, they'll be happy to pay for that solution, whatever it may be, a car, a boat, a glass to drink your water out of. It doesn't really matter, right? So that's still what I identify myself Mm. with. Even though I've got all these businesses and I'm doing all these things, I know that if I continue to provide solutions to people's problems, they'll be happy to put their hand in their pocket and they'll be happy, I'll be happy, everyone will be happy and that's not a bad thing for the world nowadays. And that really kind of leads on to what I am the most excited about right now. And that is this Youpreneur movement that I created and started in 2015. We're we'll going three years strong. There's the online community. There's the live event. There's the new book. There's you know a lot of different types of coaching and, and products and all that sort of type of thing. And my, my goal is to ultimately come into contact with as many people that call themselves entrepreneurs as I possibly can and have them then to start identifying themselves With the term youpreneur and a youpreneur is somebody who builds a business based around themselves, their experience, their personality and the people that they want to serve. And I truly do believe that it is the last pivot that anybody will be making in their career. It will ultimately future proof them. And I'm very, very enthusiastic about it.
0: So it sounds like you and I have a little bit more in common than I had originally thought, because that's my background is all in sales. And for those that listen to the show, ah, know very good that yeah, I've, I've been a door to door salesman basically. Like if you if you strip it down to the core and take away all the management and training and building teams and all that kind of stuff, basically at my core, I'm just a door to door salesman. You know, and so
1: there you go. I'm curious to know. Let me switch the mic over on the other in the other direction. Okay. Or... Because so I always want to know this. Door-to-door selling is probably by far the hardest, right? I mean, telesales is right up there as well. I mean, mm-hmm. they don't yep. want you call; cool. They're not interested in what you've got to sell. But when somebody actually opens their front door to their home to you, that's like a whole different level. What was the first thing you sold door-to-door? What was the first product?
0: First product was solar. Really? Okay. Yes, All right. So
1: you're. I'm assuming you're a little younger than me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm 25.
1: Yes, sir. Okay. So you're way younger than me. (laughs) So my first product that I sold was the good old fashioned vacuum cleaner. And and then soon after that, I sold double glazing windows, which was a lot harder to sell because you couldn't exactly demo that product. You you could demo a vacuum cleaner, but you Mm -hmm. couldn't demo double glazing. Yeah. But there you go. All right. Well, yeah. same birds flock together and all that. I love very it. Very true.
0: Very true. I actually sold windows for a little bit of a stint there as well. So another thing, another thing. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to talk more about you on this. We like, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So you gave a, a lot about what you were really doing as far as this entire Youpreneur movement. What aspect of that are you just really thrilled about working on for the past few months and coming up really into the summertime now?
1: Well, I mean, the book just came out. So Rise of the Youpreneur, it's my second book, and uh, it came out Feb 20. It's done incredibly well out of the gate, number one bestseller in multiple categories on multiple Amazon websites. You know, we've probably sold, I think, maybe 4,000 copies already. And it's one of those books that I just know is going to serve me as the author and as a business owner for a long, long time. But the flip side of that coin is that it's also going to serve and help every single person that picks it up that's interested in building a personal brand business because it really is. I mean, it's called the definitive guide To becoming the go-to leader in your industry and building a future-proof business. That's the subtitle. But it's that definitive that is for me the most powerful thing because you pick it up, doesn't matter where you are on that journey, Travis. The book is split into three main sections of building, marketing, and monetizing that business. If you've already built a great personal brand business, or that you think you do, you know, just forget the first 70 pages. You don't need them. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Like, yes, I'm telling you not to read my own book or or at least sections of it. right? Right, Right. So it really is one of those books. I think that and certainly, you know, the early reviews that we've got are telling us that we've hit the nail on the head in regards to that step by step approach, but also leaving it open for people to kind of skip sections if it's not completely reliant on them for you know for their success to read them so i'm very very proud of it and without a doubt that's you know what we're most buzzed up about right now perfect perfect
0: a book this episode of the show is brought to you by indeed we are driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all it's to match and match with with the topic that is niched down in this certain area of really creating yes. a brand, I think is is so crucial, especially now in the, the age of social media, so to speak. And it's something that, if you're sitting here listening to this right now, and you're just really not sure exactly what the next step is for you, but you're a long-term thinker, okay? Because I think that's a really important caveat to this whole conversation. If you're thinking too short-term, then probably picking up this book, you're not going to get much out of it because you're going to be focused on making money tomorrow. And it seems like Chris, the topic of this book would be something where it's like, look, this is a fantastic field to get into, but this is how you're going to do it. It's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of money, energy, all these kinds of things to invest into it. But if you're willing to stick with it, it's going to be paying off in the long term. Am I right to say that?
1: hundred percent. Absolutely.
0: Awesome. So if you pick up a copy of this book, please, please, please do. It's over at youpreneur.com forward slash book, youpreneur.com forward slash book. Chris, I want to ask you this now that we kind of were talking a little bit about sales at the beginning. I wasn't planning on asking this, but um, I'm really curious to see how you think uh, the influence of being in sales when you were younger really shaped the way that your career ended up going and the trajectory of your career and what influence that has had for you to be able to build the brand that you've been able to build.
1: Yeah, great question. I don't think not being a salesperson would have stopped me from becoming an entrepreneur. It was too ingrained in in my DNA to kind of want to just have a nine to five type thing. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that it's enabled me to be a better, more successful entrepreneur. Because you know, it doesn't matter what business you're running and growing, whether it's product based, service based, or experienced base, you're selling. Mm. Like every company on the planet selling something, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So to have that background of sales and to have the ability to be able to understand the importance of qualifying my prospect properly and pitching with benefits and features attached to it and not just for my own gain and understanding, good God, understanding the intense requirement of knowing how to overcome objections, Mm -hmm. right? And that sort of type of thing, it's been huge. There's absolutely no doubt about it that it's been able me to become a better, more successful entrepreneur. But it wouldn't have stopped me if I hadn't have done it. Like I said, it wouldn't have stopped me from becoming an entrepreneur. I've just hired great salespeople, right? I often say I'm a terrible manager, but I'm a great leader. So I have no intention of wanting to be in the trenches of my business. I've been there, done that, burned out, got the T-shirt, not doing it again. Mm-hmm. Right? Right, right. So I don't want to be in the business. I want to be on top of it. I want to be the owner, not the CEO. And so I hire people to do pretty much like everything. Like I'm okay. pretty lazy. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to look yeah. at it like that, like I don't have ambition to sit in an inbox for three hours a day or mm-hmm. to. Answer website inquiries yeah. or to manage our company's Facebook page. I'm mean, like, that doesn't interest me at all. What interests me is talking with people like you, creating my own content, putting together incredible live event experiences and writing books and that sort of type of thing. And that's what I do. It's the stuff that only I can do, is what I do every day. Everything else I delegate.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've always heard that your events are uh, the most killer events out there. One of my (laughs) main mentors and now a really good friend of mine, John Lee Dumas, is always raving to me about the events that you put on. So one of these days, I got to make it out to London for the Upreneur Summit
1: and uh, say what's up over there. Well, tickets just went on sale for this year, so yeah, the door's wide open. Door's the door wide is open. wide open, my man. you you got to step it up now, Travis. All, all i got to do is take, take in action, mouth right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know what I love about John? Not just because he talks about <laughs> myself and my events with such <laughs> yeah. great candor. What I really love about John is that he is what I call an entrepreneur's entrepreneur. Like he empathetically understands what it means to be an entrepreneur and the ups and downs and the peaks and the troughs and all that sort of type stuff. And I met John many, many years ago. We, you know, we, On this show, I know you talk about networking and relationships and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So let's start deep diving here. And we will use John as the perfect example here. I met John in Las Vegas in 2011. Holy moly, 11 or 12, something like that. <laughs> we we're at an event and we were enjoying a scotch together just before dinner. Mm-hmm. And he told me, and it wasn't the Scotch drinking, because we were in our first one, he told me that he was going to start a daily podcast for entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, You're crazy. That <laughs> there's just no way in the world you're going to be able to, A, find that many people to interview. Right. And B like sustainably keep it going. Yet here we are with, you know, what, almost 3000 episodes of that show and years and years under his belt. Now I know he's changing things up slightly in the future in terms of the daily format, Mm -hmm. but that being said he did it. He launched it. He's done great. And we've become very, very close friends. Like I would have no problems at all. Even my children with John and Kate, no problems at all. So, you know, the power of going to live events cannot and should not be taken lightly in any way whatsoever. Some of the best friends I've got on this planet I've met at live events, and John's certainly one of them.
0: Yeah, and we were talking a little bit about this before we hit that record button. And you and I were actually able to meet in person at uh, traffic and conversion back a few months ago. I forget however long ago that was now. I think that some people miss out on those face to face opportunities. And that's actually one thing that I think my sales background has given me an advantage on is I really highly value face to face interactions because I've been in door to door sales and I, I don't do a lot of social media selling and email selling and stuff at this point. It's something that I'm definitely learning a lot more about, but I'm always been face to face. And so I think that that was one way I was able to differentiate myself with you a little bit was that, look, I know I have this interview scheduled with you in a couple of months. It's coming up. I'm not exactly sure when I know it's on the schedule, but I still want to like shake your hand, introduce myself, put a face to the name. And it was a really short interaction. But then at the very beginning of this conversation, Chris, I was able to reference that as a way to be like, oh yeah, we did. Okay. Yeah, cool. We met. And now it kind of brings that conversation a little bit easier for us to then follow up with each other. And I think we were talking a little bit about this I'd love for you to comment on this. I think a lot of people undervalue relationships in general, but especially at events. You're paying so much money for the event that I think that psychologically people just feel like they have to walk away with, you know, four notebooks full of notes in order to go implement <laughs> that into their business. I think they're missing the point. What do you have to say about that, Chris?
1: I think they are. I think they're totally missing the point. I mean, look, there's there's absolutely no denying that attending conferences like the UPNNA summit for example is going to be able to help you to bolster the success and you know the experience that you've already had and couple that together with what you will learn from the speakers on that stage as well as from the people that you'll meet in the coffee line or at lunch or whatever the case may be. There's no doubt in my mind at all mm-hmm. that going to live events is a great learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, and I think you'll find actually that after you've attended two or three events, you've pretty much figured out everything you need to figure out. Mm. And you know what? I can actually put it down into like one finite piece of advice, right? Show up. Mm. That's it. Show up over and over And over and over again with whatever you're doing for whoever you're doing it for, show up Mm -hmm. every day on Twitter, on Instagram, on your blog, on your podcast, on YouTube, live at events, being interviewed, creating infographics in your membership community with your product launch. Just show up over and over and over again. That's it, right? But let me tell you something. All it takes is one conversation. Right? All it takes is one interaction at one of those events, and it can change the course of your life, literally can yeah. change the course of your life. And I remember when we put on the first ever Tropical Think Tank, one of our attendees met and became very good friends with one of our speakers. They now do business together. They're business partners. Wow. They're making money together. And neither of them would have had that opportunity if they both hadn't have been at that event. So it's absolutely huge in person or in real. I like this term now, in real life. Everyone's using that. In real life, like our life is not real, right? (laughs) right? In real life, I think it's an incredibly powerful
0: opportunity. So do you think that you can do too much of that?
1: Yes, ultimately you probably can because, you know, I think what will happen is, again, you'll attend two or three events. Maybe you'll attend five or six in the case, you know, in the space of maybe two and a half, maybe three years or whatever. You'll find the one or two events that become indispensable to you in your business and your Mm -hmm. growth mindset. And you'll just attend those events every single year, year in, year out. We see it already. There's no doubt. Yeah,
0: that was exactly where I was going with that was that, mm-hmm. you know, you can definitely do too many, but I think that there's phases, you know, you go through phases of like a bunch of events and you're always gone and it doesn't seem like you're moving anywhere in your business, but you're getting a lot of connections, you're learning a lot of things. But then you go through these phases of implementation where you say no to a lot of different things and you say no to a lot right. of different opportunities that you might've said yes to just a couple months ago, just the timing isn't right. So look, just be smart about it. <laughs> you know, like don't. Couldn't agree don't more. if you're doing a monthly event, unless your business is running a events,
1: then you're probably doing a little too much. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're in the actual event business. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You're right. Because, you know, when we, you know, I always say this one particular kind of thing that I get quoted on all the time. And that is when you say yes to something, you're instantly saying no to something else, like in that very moment. So When you go to that live event, it's not the two days at the live event. It's the day before traveling. It's the day getting back. If you're international, it's the three days recovering from jet lag. You know, it's a week Mm -hmm. of your life, ultimately. So that's a week that you're not focusing on your business, that's a week where you're not interacting with your clients, where you're not coming up with new product ideas or creating content or interacting with online customers. I mean, that's a long time. And time's Mm -hmm. our most valuable commodity. Once it's spent or invested, we can never get it back. Unlike money, which will come and go. Thank you for playing money. But time, once it's gone, it's gone. Right. And so you've got to become very very finite with the way that you spend your time and invest your time and like I said yes you can do too much of the conference going yeah. find those one or two or maybe three events that you'll attend every single year and go there intentionally with the idea of actually building your business and not just hanging out you know at the bar in the evenings which by the way you know, keep that to a minimum at those events. You don't want want to become the drunk douchebag. You know what I mean? Right. But I do believe that live events can really make a massive difference to your business growth and your entrepreneurial mindset growth. But you definitely need to keep them in check, just like anything else. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. There's always a balance. There's always that point in the middle where you need to meet. That's an argument that I use, Chris, when I talk to people that don't do any events. And I'm like, look, you need to be going to events. You need to be investing in masterminds and stuff like that. The argument I always use is that time is our most important asset. And when you go to these events and meet with some of these people that maybe are, you know, on a five to 10 X, of what you are currently doing, it allows you to think on a totally different level and skip rungs on the ladder, so to speak. And it can sometimes shorten the runway in your business by months or even years just by meeting some people that might be at this event. So yes, time is the most important asset, but don't use it as an excuse to never go to an event, but also be mindful that you need to spend time in your business or it's never gonna grow. So- right. Always, always mindful of that balance. Chris, this is a question that I ask everybody that comes on the show. So I'm interested to hear your answer to it. Do you believe that what you know or who you know
1: is more important and why? It's a really good question. I think probably who you know. And the reason why, I mean, obviously you got to be smart, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I think... The reason why who you know is more important is because it'll ultimately open up opportunities for you and it'll allow you to grow, I think, a lot faster as an entrepreneur than if you were to sort of just be sitting behind your computer trying to do everything yourself with your, you know, your MBA under your belt and lots of smarts running around in your head. I mean, like, look, education is important, you know, being smart, being savvy, always learning. That's all important. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you're having a bad day and you need to be picked up by someone you know. And you know who that person is and you reach out to them and they do exactly that. They pick you back up. No book is really going to do that for you in that instant, like the way a friend could. If you have a problem and you know who can solve it quickly for you or if you need an introduction to, you know, for example, I just bought a house back in the UK and we're in the process of refurbing the house. and, And I wanted some very specific lights hanging from the ceiling in my office studio in the home. Mm -hmm. And I spent hours looking online. And in the end, I ended up just reaching out to someone and saying, hey, you know that interior design lady, right, that's on TV? I need an introduction to her because I'm sure she's got trade friends that can hook me up with this. And literally, I kid you not, Travis, within two hours, I'd ordered the damn lights. (laughs) That was how quick it happened. So it just goes to show you, yes, who you know is way more important.
0: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head in the very first part of that answer, Chris, when you said that if you focus on the who you know, you'll learn a lot faster that way. I think that's just, that's always the bottom line because I've asked this question now to over a hundred people that have come on the show and I get a wide uh, ranging, just answers that are very, you know, all over the place. Oh, it's both, it's a combination. This one's a little bit more, you know, this one's what, this one's who. Everybody says something a little bit different for the most part. And that's always the thing that I come back to is that if you focus on, The who, your what is just going to grow so much faster than it is by, you know, reading a book or taking a course. Now, are those things important? Yeah, of course. Like I'm always going through a book. I'm always going through an audio book. I'm always listening to podcasts. That stuff is very, very important. But the bottom line is, if I didn't make friends with John Lee Dumas, my podcast would be light years behind where it is right now. Even if I took his right. course, even if I bought his book, even if I did everything that he teaches, the personal relationship, the fact that I can shoot him a text and he texts me back and gives me some advice, like that is what's allowed me to exactly what you're saying, skip those levels, skip the rungs in the ladder, shorten that runway, whatever, however you want to say it. So um, 100% agree with you there. So if it's so important this topic, if building relationships and building real friendships is so important, Chris, why do you think that so many
1: people neglect to do it? I think, you know, a lot of people have their head in the sands. You know, a lot of people, I think, don't they don't understand the importance of it and they need a situation to come along Hmm. for them to understand it and appreciate it. And sometimes, you know, that will come your way in obviously many different kind of avenues. But I don't know. I think a lot of people, until they actually experience it, they, I think they don't think it's as important as it really is. But once right. you do experience it, even just once, you realize that it really is. Yeah, <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Exactly. So I think it's probably a combination of just not knowing, just not experiencing, and maybe a little bit of, yeah, maybe a little arrogance. Yeah. Let's call it that. You know, I don't need the help. I'm mm. good. I've got everything covered. No, right. you don't. You definitely need (laughs) the help, you
0: know? Right, exactly. Well, it it just goes back to the whole time thing. Like, yeah, you know, you could probably figure it out, but it might take you two years. It might take you three years. Whereas you could just go talk to somebody that knows what they're doing and you can get it done in six months or three months. And just like you were saying with the example of the home decorator, you searched hours online and then within 20 minutes, this other lady like gives you the exact thing that you need and you get the the lights ordered. You know, it's just so many people. I think, like you said, I think that that was a really powerful insight that you brought out with. Which is that they've never seen it happen. So they don't realize the power of it because they've never really done it. So they don't double down on it because they don't know that it's really powerful. Once you see it happen once, it's just kind of it's almost kind of addicting. You know, you're like, oh man, that was that was awesome. I could have gone through so many mistakes and lost so much money, lost so much time if I would have tried mm-hmm. to do that by myself. And it's just become so powerful once you realize how much it can you know, benefit you in that short period of time. So going forward from this conversation, Chris, I know a lot of people don't like the word networking. Can you tell me your thoughts on that? And if you do like it, why? If you don't like
1: it, why not? I don't have a problem with it. To be honest with you, I think it's how you personally perceive it. Like you say, a lot of people, not all the people. I personally don't have a big issue with it. At all. Yeah. When I go to a drinks reception or to a dinner party or a coffee meeting or a conference, I know that I'm going to meet people that I've never met before. Some of them I'm going to gel with. Some of them I'm never going to see or want to see again. And so I guess if that's what you call networking, then I network. (laughs) Yeah, I I guess that'd be the question then. Do you think that networking is
0: different from building friendships?
1: Oh, without a doubt. Yes, absolutely. I mean, networking is exactly what I've just said. It is building friendships and real, true relationships. That's what happens after the networking. I mean, like if you think back to every single or if you think of every single person that you You know, like the way you were talking about John just a minute ago, like everyone that's important in your life for whatever reason, you had a first interaction with them at some point. And let's get deep for a minute. I saw this on a tweet the other day and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so true. And at the exact same time, so sad. And the tweet read, random thought. At some point, you went outside to play with your friends for the last time. Oh, Hmm. brutal yeah like if you think of it like they're like brutal yeah. oh my gosh i want to be a kid again i want to go outside and play again right, <laughs> right, right. but it's just, if you reverse engineer it back every single relationship started with some sort of initial interaction whether it be you know digitally or quote-unquote in real life so i right. think yes networking and relationship building completely different completely different relationship building to, is that next level it's going from meeting at the drinks reception and maybe swapping business cards if you're trapped in 2010 right. or possibly just you know <laughs> dropping each other's tweets or whatever real quick right i haven't given out a business card since 2014 now yeah. people still ask me for have you got your card nope i I'm. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thousand. You know. No. So no, no, no. I really believe that relationships are exactly what happens over a period of time. You know, After, you look at what happened yeah. with your loved one, with your partner. I mean, you met him or her at some point for the very first time, right? And then you took it to the next level.
0: You know, right? Right. I think that it's really important to define that because I think people network without thinking about the long term relationship, and it prohibits them from doing it the right way? Meaning that they're thinking of networking in a different category too much to where they're not even thinking about the potential for a long term relationship. They're only thinking about a short term transactional relationship that's going to make them money tomorrow. How do you go about the balance of like, look, I'm networking to create a long term relationship, like I'm networking, meaning that I'm going to go meet a bunch of people, but I don't want to just like meet somebody and ask for business tomorrow when I get home and, you know, shoot them an email. How do you balance that?
1: Well, be intentional about what you want to do, but also at the very same, you know, stroke of that brush, understand that nobody likes anybody that's pushy. Like we love as human beings, we love to buy. We love To buy, buy Mm -hmm. people, buy products, buy holidays, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But we despise being sold to. Mm -hmm. We don't like being sold. I mean, you and I know that (laughs) from past experience, right? (laughs) So they don't like to be sold to, but they're happy to buy. Right. So think of that and keep that at the forefront of your mind. And when you are building that relationship, if somebody is a potential customer of yours, for example, whatever industry you're in, is selling your product to them today or tomorrow that important to you? Nine times out of 10, if you're comfortable waiting, that initial transaction is going to be so much more pleasant for both of you and it will more likely to lead to multiple transactions exactly. rather than you trying to push it down their throat. I think a lot of people have that. They have a bit of a warped idea in terms of relationship building and, right. and what it truly means. Like for me, and I talk about this actually in Rise of the Youpreneur, I, I talk about the importance of understanding you should be treasuring relationships, not using them. Mm-hmm. And too many people are doing that, particularly in the online business space where they want your email list. Right. Can Can you email? Can you email? Can I come on your show? Can I, you know, they all want access to the people that you have worked your butt off to create and congregate around yourself because of your brilliance. They want a quick start hop Mm -hmm. up that ladder and to get in front of your audience. And, you know, honestly, I can smell those people a gazillion miles away. (laughs) And obviously, I turn around and walk in the opposite direction. So I think that the longevity and understanding that, you know, you you build relationships for the right reasons and you treasure them, that will sincerely pay its dividends over and over and over again, rather than trying to force it and and, and make it happen too fast.
0: Yeah. So to be clear, you don't like when people try to do that?
1: I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah, put it that way. Yeah, yeah, another one that I get almost, <laughs> I get this almost weekly. It's, you know, I'm holding a virtual summit. Oh, yes. I'd love for you to be one of our expert speakers. The only thing I ask for you to do to be part of this fantastic summit is to email your email list. Oh, and you must have at least 10,000 people on your email list. I'm like, are you high right now? Like, are you actually on some sort of pharmaceuticals, right? Like, are you high right now? Ask, you're out of the blue. Just email them. We've never interacted before. No. It's a no from me, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's so funny. People, that's exactly what this show is for, Chris, is just to, to try to really just pound, it seems like common sense. It really does. But I will admit that when I first started, I think a lot of salespeople, and maybe you were the same way, I think a lot of salespeople struggle with the whole long-term relationship thing because you typically are are somewhat naturally skilled or, or, or talented at getting people to say yes You know, pretty soon. So mm-hmm. uh, you, when I first started really trying to do this kind of thing, I was the annoying person that nobody wanted to talk to. But I realized very, very, very quickly, like I'm a pretty fast learner. I realized very quickly that that was not going to be the way to establish long-term success. You might have some short-term because obviously it's a numbers game. You know, you talk to enough people, you're going to get enough people to say yes, and you'll make some money. Yay, good for you. But what happens when that income goes away and now you got to do it all over again? You've already burnt Mm -hmm. through all your relationship that, that you had and nobody wants to talk to you anymore because you're just the guy that pitches them at every single chance that you have. And so I don't know, did you go through the same thing at all? I don't know. I feel like people that are naturally good at sales are really not naturally good at networking and kind of vice versa. Would
1: you agree with that or no? I would agree and not agree, if I may, your honor. Of course. I, <laughs> of course. yeah. I, no. I will agree with it because you are 100% right. People that are naturally gifted in, quote unquote, persuasion, right, mm. if you want to call it that, I think do have an issue with waiting in general, yeah. just being patient mm. in general. Yeah. But then I'll disagree with it because there's certain situations where you do need a quick yes, or you do need a quick confirmation. And I mean, particularly in the sales world, depending on what you're selling. Mm -hmm. I mean, my first ever sales job I was on the phone selling classified ad space to people that were they that were wanting to advertise in it was auto trader. You've probably got it over in the yeah. US. I would have thought mm-hmm. well you yeah. had it at one point anyway. So, you know, the idea of selling your motorbike or your boat or your car or your van or whatever it was. So when you call these people, and quite frankly, my sales training was here's a copy of the yellow pages, start at the front. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like literally, that's yeah. what my first ever sales quote unquote mentor said to me, right? Yeah. You know, I did. I started at the front and I worked my way back through to the end of the book over a course of months and months. And I became good at getting quick yeses because in that situation, we needed quick yeses. Mm -hmm. There was an edition going out every week. It had to be filled. We needed a quick yes. But also at the exact same time, I was creating a list of callbacks for myself as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've got a car. I'm not ready to sell it yet, but call me in six weeks from now and I will be able to. Okay, right. brilliant. We'd call that person back. So, a yet, you know, a no today never meant a no tomorrow to me and it still doesn't. Correct. Right. It just says to me I'm not ready yet. But there are situations every now and when you do need a quick yes and there's situations where you might not be in those situations very often. And when they come your way, you know, you've got to strike while the iron is hot. So that's the answer to that question. I hope it makes a little bit of sense.
0: Oh, totally. No, totally agree. I think that we really just got to look at the situation and determine what's best for that in that situation. And so I think a good typical rule of thumb for me that I found is I try to keep my sales separate from like connecting with Influential people, if that makes sense. So I'm never going like, so currently I own a water treatment company. We sell like home water machines and stuff like that. So when I get on a call with somebody on my podcast, I'm not going to be like, oh, by the way, can you buy one of our water machines? You know, but if I'm talking to a customer face to face in person, I'm going through demonstration, then yes, I want the yes right now. And we're not going to wait for another week or so. I think, yeah, exactly, exactly what you were saying. So much great insight there. Just really got to gauge the situation and take it case by case. Chris, I honestly could talk to you about this for a long time because we have a lot of these different areas in common but we are running out of time we do need to move on to the last segment here which is called the random round just a few really quick random questions with some quick random answers you ready sure let's do it this is the random round what profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt stand-up comedian if you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and talk to them for an hour who would it be and why gosh i hate
1: questions like this (laughs) Bruce Lee. How do you
0: like to consume content, books, blogs, audiobooks, podcasts, or videos? Still books,
1: but I love videos. What is a book that you've read recently that you'd recommend? Content Inc. by Joe Polizzi. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Wake up, liter of water, stretching, yoga, resistance bands, first cup of coffee, then a little reading, then another cup of coffee, then creative work, through to lunch, break. Email then the rest of the day. What is your go-to pump up song? Oh, that's good. Gosh, that's a really good one. I'm gonna probably say I the tiger. I'm a big rocky yes. fan. Yes. What are you not very good at? Managing people. I'm t- terrible at it. So I just I hire great managers. I'm a good hirer, but a bad manager. All
0: right, let's get everything wrapped up here, Chris. What is one place online where we will be able to find you the most? Oh, that's an easy one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, was, I was expecting the last one to be a doozy. That's an easy one. So they can just go to chrisducker.com.
0: Perfect. chrisducker.com. i sure you can find everything as far as social media sites, his book, all that good stuff. But if you want to just go straight to the book, just remember youpreneur.com slash book. Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show today, man. I had a
1: blast chat with you. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, Travis. Thanks for having me on.